All right then. So here we are, another episode, Zero Ambitions podcast, a podcast about sustainability, the built environment, and carbon zero goals. So it's me here, Dan. It's me, Jeff. Oh, very good. Yeah, <laughs> we're, trying, we're trying to get really slick with this now. Yeah, I it's wanted to right. do divulge I'm... locations as well. Is it, are you going all kind of Elon Musk style? You're kind of getting afraid of, of divulging your location. Are you wow. there? I'm not really bothered to be honest, but. Like I, I bollock on about having moved to Hastings quite a lot uh, anyway. So, I mean, is anyone really interested? But yeah. <laughs> At least they know, they know where to avoid now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are here today with uh, Stuart Little uh, of IRT Surveys. Yeah, welcome. Thanks, Thanks, for, Thanks, Thanks for joining me, Stuart. So just to satisfy Jeff's demand, uh, where are you as well? I am in Bonnie Dundee in Scotland. Man, I've not been there for a long time, yeah. Currently in about four inches of snow today. It's uh, been snowing all through the night. Looks beautiful, but it's bitterly cold today. Oh, man, yeah. And uh, this is why energy efficiency is increasingly on the agenda, certainly for me. I reached out to uh, Russell Smith's outfit, Retrofit Works, the other day to get someone involved because this place is bloody freezing. I read that economist report was it is the ft sorry about how insulating walls is the next frontier in uk energy efficiency and uh, i live in one of them three bed semis which is just pissing heat out left right and center oh man it's horrific especially yeah, knowing the little we know now because you've you moved into a new place haven't you or yeah. a new old place yeah yeah, yeah. 930 semi tell you what i'm dying to get a thermal imaging camera on this joint to see exactly what's going wrong because it feels like it's all over the place. Is that why I'm on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, like your call out charge would probably be a bit much for me, all the way from Dundee to the opposite. Uh, we, the... We've got offices all over the place. We've got an office in Epsom that's not I'm a million miles away. We've got surveyors down in the, the southwest coast near Bristol. Yeah, we, we, we can do it, do them anywhere. That's not all a problem. Right. Well, perhaps we will follow up after this. Uh, yeah. Um, so, do you want to give uh, just a, a quick idea for the audience? What is it? What it is that you guys do at IRT? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, IRT stands for Infrared Thermographic Surveys. So, every book you read on infrared thermo- thermography, they always put brackets IRT. So, I when I started the company twenty one years ago, uh, no one had bought the domain IRT Surveys. So, I thought that's as good a reason to call anything anything. Um, but my, my background was architecture. So I, I spent five years as an architectural technician designing houses, designing supermarkets, colleges, things like that. I got made redundant when I was 21. I got a job selling flat roofs and roof gardens for a big um, German company called Bowder. Loved oh, yeah. that job. Fantastic company. Um, that, that kind of sparked my interest in sustainability with, with the roof gardens. I, I'm, every flat roof should have roof gardens on them and if you don't have a roof garden get solar panels and if you don't have both you know shame on you <laughs> to quote to quote Greta <laughs> but yeah that, but that, that when I was working with Bowder that was when the penny dropped that just because an architect says this is what I want it made of doesn't mean that that's what you get on site so I realized when you're selling specifications to architects getting an architect to write down I want a Bowder roof is the start of a process not the end of a process, because the quantity surveyor tries to change it, the main contractor tries to change it, the subcontractor tries, tries to change it. 
and you've just got everyone nibbling away. And then the world we inherit isn't what was designed. It's whatever fitted the budget and no one ever told anyone. So initiatives like the, you know, the building information modeling, that's been needed for an awful long time because there isn't a digital record of everything that truly exists. Mm. And then 21 years ago, I had this idea, convinced my wife it was a good idea to hand back the company car and the bupa and the pension and all that and, and set up on my own. I convinced a chap called um, Dave Jones uh, to invest some money in me. Uh, Dave wrote Grand Theft Auto. He wrote David Beckham's Soccer, Lemmings. Right. He's one of the directors behind Fortnite. Um, so Dave, Dave, Rockstar Games, is he? Is, is, is he is yeah. Rock- Dave, Dave's first company was called uh, DMA Design. And everyone said to him, what does it stand for? And he said, it doesn't mean anything. And they go, no, no, really. What does it mean? He went, no, it doesn't mean anything. No, no, really. <laughs> but yeah, it is what is Rockstar today. Started off as Dave and DMA. That's great. Yeah. And I like the nihilism in his, in his, uh, in his approach as well. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the world you inhabited when you started your business, I mean, I, can, I have a, a vague idea of, of what the photographs might have looked like back then, you know, what a thermographic survey, in fact, I would have seen some um, from back in that time because we've been going in, in business now. Uh, it's 20 years. Come January, it'll be 20 years since the first issue of our, our magazine or the predecessor magazine, Chapasa uh, Plus, was published. I, I was just thinking when you were talking about architects specifying one thing and and uh, and then a, a bunch for a bunch of reasons, um, uh, the spec getting watered down, but did you deal with many projects where the specs were really that ambitious to begin with, or was it, you know, with, with, uh, with the, the demand for, the, for that kind of product kind of been anything like what it is today back then? No, you're dead right, Jeff. When I started in therm- thermography, it was a very, very niche market. The cameras were horrifically expensive. I mean, if you go back to the 1990s, the cameras were about 200 grand, something like that. And the early Early 2000s, the camera cameras came down to below 50K, which is when we, we started in 2002 with a £50,000 camera. Today, I guarantee if you go on eBay right now, you'll find a camera for a couple hundred pounds. But you can uh, get a, an add-on for your iPhone now, yeah, uh, I yeah. believe. Like it's, I mean, what point are you in that direction as well? Because like Jeff said about the standards, yeah, absolutely. But like, what even made you think to tackle this? Like, you know, it's a niche industry with 200K equipment required. It is. It, it's, I'm not a, not a genius by any stretch. I was on a roof in East Kilbride with my client, who was a big building surveyor, and a roof that was quite new from Bowder leaked. And we paid someone to come and do a thermal, thermal imaging survey on it because without thermal imaging, what you have to do is cut core samples in a roof. And cutting core samples means you invalidate the guarantee then you need your blowtorch to fix the hole and patch it, which means you're just burning the building down. And you only learn about the subject exactly where you cut the core sample. So I, I cut three or four core samples in this roof. They were all saturated. And mm-hmm. it actually had nothing to do with Bowder. It wasn't Bowder's fault. It was one of the tenants in the shopping centre had put a three-foot diameter flue straight through a roof and silicon flange around the bottom. And this, oh, you could move, move this pipe three or four feet left and right. So anyway, we commissioned someone to do a thermal imaging survey. He drove up from England. He arrived at East Kilbride, in, which is near Glasgow in Scotland, for those of you who, who've never heard of East Kilbride. Um, he, came, he arrived at midnight in a T-shirt, and he came on site with an old Russian camcorder-style camera with 
two bottles of liquid nitrogen on his back to keep the camera at minus 273. He had a VHS um, to record the data. He had a car battery to power it. He had a periscope to look down and sensor in his hand. And on the roof at midnight, he handed me six or seven Polaroid photographs and put his hand up and asked me for three and a half thousand pounds. I had to take him to one side and say, look, I'm the salesperson for a company that are based in Germany, but in the UK with an Ipswich. You need to write a report, analyze it, tell us what those photographs mean, send in your report, and then invoice it. And within 30 days, you'll be paid. Uh, to which he, he kind of took the hump. And I, I just looked at it and I thought, I bet you I could I could do that job better than him. And I bet you there's better equipment than that. You know what? Actually, Stuart, I actually think it's, I I I kind of want to uh, want to hire that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> he into that. Amazing. It's, yeah, as a uniform, turning up like a steampunk uniform <laughs> with Doctor Who style production values. The old old Who, not no Who. It was like Ghostbusters, you know, on the site. It was, but yeah. That, so that was the, the the biggest hurdle I had to get over was was convincing my wife that it was a good idea and that I could make a business of it. So we, we basically thought, look, we want to give people good quality advice, always impartial, never take commission for the advice and, and be as high tech as we possibly can be. But wh- where we ended up... You mean commission, was, in other words, commission from a supplier? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so it was it was vital that our, our our advice was always impartial. Jeff, we never wanted to say to someone, oh, hey, by the way, why don't you buy product X and product Y and we'll do the survey for free? That sort of yeah. thing. We, we would yeah. always... This is impartial, but you have to pay for it. Yeah. It's less than that guy who wanted three and a half thousand. It's two and a half thousand, but it's untainted. Um, so that's what we started. But we, we got an opportunity to survey 5,000 houses for Aberdeen City Council. And we, when we presented it to them, I, I got to the end of the presentation and, and I've, I very deliberately never mentioned the price. And when I got to the end of the presentation, I said, so what do you think? Sorry, I clapped my hands. So what do you think? And the, the lady in charge said, I like everything about it apart from the price. And I said, well, how, how much do you think it is? Because I haven't mentioned the price. And she said, it's always hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Every time we do a thermal image survey, it's hundreds of pounds. It's too expensive. And I said, look, if we could do it for 10 quid a house, what would you do? And she said, I'll give you an order for 5,000. <laughs> so we did that. We, we did it for 50K. And when we delivered the images, the feedback was, that's great but they're just pretty pictures. What does it mean? And that was the that was the catalyst for us to say, look, let's go and raise some venture capital and see if we can use Dave Jones's computer experience, my architectural experience, and my brother's, and my brother's in the business as well as the, the technical director. He's um, a scientist by trade. So he, he spent his life doing um, non-destructive testing of building materials using nuclear magnetic radiation of all things. So I just thought a bit of science, a bit of computing, a bit of architecture, can we turn pixels into pounds? And I convinced a VC in Edinburgh to give us about half a million pounds to play with. Um, They did it. The money arrived in our bank account on Christmas Eve. (laughs) I signed, signed my life away. And then we went back to Aberdeen and said, look, we can now tell you how much money carbon in kilowatts is being emitted from every elevation of every house you've got but it costs a little bit more. What do you think? And they said, okay, go and do the rest. Go and do 32,000. And then we we did that, delivered it with our chests all puffed out, all excited. And the, 
The reaction we got then was, that's much better. They literally have more value added to them. But what you've done now is you've very accurately described, we definitely have a headache. What's the aspirin? What is that aspirin for that headache? So scratch your head a little bit. We go back to our venture capitalists and we said, look, see if you give us more money. I think we can automate retrofit decision-making if we take on board more SAP values, more EPC values, today's funding landscape, today's um, legislative landscape. I think we can de-skill what at the moment is unbelievably difficult for an asset manager because an asset manager's got problems coming at them every day. This leaks, that's broken. This is behind schedule. That's, you know, you've got repair and maintenance schedules. There's so much stuff on their plate to be told, oh, by the way, there's a new version of SAP that changes all your SAP scores. What does that do to our portfolio? That is a big ask for someone who's not knee deep in SAP every day. But that, that was the... That then, so our VCs believed in that journey. They said, look, go and get um, eight stakeholders who agree that's a good idea. We managed to get fund matching from Centrica. We got guys like Kingspan around the table, North Lanarkshire Council. Um, Bowder came on the steering group. Rydens came on this, the, the stakeholder group. And everyone just gave us input. And, and guys like um, Scottish and Southern Energy came on that steering group. And they said things like, what would be great is if we had a piece of software where if we put energy up two pence a kilowatt, it could show us who gets pushed into fuel poverty and what's the cheapest thing we can do to get them out of fuel poverty again. So we had that coming from utility companies. We had guys like North Lanarkshire Council saying, look, we've got our data in 12 different places. What we need is someone to aggregate it, augment it, sanity check it, put it in one place and just help. Yeah. And, and we just took that those key bits of information over the course of about two years and then we launched a piece of software called Dream, and, and that does that on the cloud. And at the moment, it does it for about half a million houses. So every time energy prices fluctuate, every time SAP changes, every time eco rules change, we update it once in the cloud, and then we alert all the users to there's funding over here, and it can help with this specific problem. That's amazing. Like in all sorts of different ways, like first having such a positive sounding experience with a VC firm. I'm very intrigued about that because like approaching so we know I'm mean, we know from talking to people around the place now that sort of uh net zero is still very much high on the agenda. Energy efficiency is increasingly so in terms of like businesses that present themselves as, as investment propositions. I know from experience working with financial services businesses that they're not all smart people. They're people with money. Like some of them are smart, don't get me wrong. I work with some very smart, lovely folk. But uh, yeah, how did you find people who paid attention to you at all? You know, this is as bad as my, this is why I set the company up. This just sounds like complete blind luck. And, and to a large degree it was. I was a bit bored in the office one day and I was scrolling through my spam emails and in my spam was an email that said, we're a VC, are you a green company, clean tech, software-based, in the east coast of Scotland, but not Aberdeen and not Edinburgh. Yeah, and <laughs> is your name Stuart Little? <laughs> thought, that sounds like me. And I, literally, <laughs> I literally wrote them an email and said, this is what I do, this is the sector we're in, we're in Dundee, so yes, we meet your investment criteria. And to date, from first email to money in bank was six weeks, and it was the, the fastest deal we've ever done to date. My God. Um, That's extraordinary. 
That beggars belief. Oh, man. So yeah. um, there's probably not a lot of advice you can offer anyone in finding a, a VC. <laughs> check, <laughs> your spam folders. check your, check your spam folders. Check your spam. Always check your spam. No, I've, I mean, I've, I've had the opposite experience. I've, I've run around London. I've been out to Silicon Valley, met loads of VCs and, and got nowhere. But I, th- I think it's the, you need tenacity to, to, for any business to survive. You need to just keep going, keep playing. It's a mix of different factors, isn't it? But you need that that resolve, that grit to kind of uh, to, to, you know, to have a chance, you know, as well. You need a good idea as well, obviously. Um, I also think one of the things with energy efficiency generally is that um, a lot of it is invisible and kind of quite dull to people who are who are not that, that sold on the concept, you know. Um, this is why I think things like solar have probably had a disproportionate, one of the reasons that solar has had probably disproportionate uh, emphasis placed on it because it's a, a visible symbol or indicator of, of, of virtue, of green virtue and energy efficiency and so on. And I wonder if there's something similar going on with thermal imaging, you know, that you can give people uh, an arresting sense of, of a problem or, or of good performance. You know, there's famous examples you've probably seen uh, uh, in a passive house community of um, like a famous sort of a, a, an old brownstone in New York that was retrofitted to the passive house uh, Enerfit standard, and there's a row of houses, and you can see this one, you know, this one exception uh, amongst this, you know, with this one blue wall basically, because there's no no heat escaping through it uh, in a row of, of of red and white, you know, almost, you know. Um, uh, I, I wonder whether that's a factor or whether it was just your just your brilliance, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, it's it's we we obviously we do it for twenty one years, Jeff. But when you used to knock on people's doors, and we have done that, and we've said to them, "Hey, you're wasting three point six tons of carbon," they go, "I don't so I don't care." Yeah. Yeah. Say, that's eighteen thousand kilowatts. They go, "What's a kilowatt?" Yeah. When you say to them, it's three hundred forty seven pounds per annum. Do you know that's five hundred fifty two cans of tenants? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's if you can relate it to pizza and beer, suddenly it makes sense, and that's that's pre. So I'll give you I'll give you a couple of examples. We, we did a thing years and years ago, but I think it was about February two thousand and seven, where we'd surveyed the the Reichstag in Berlin, we'd done the White House in 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 Washington, we'd done the Buckingham Palace, we'd done the Windsor. Were you commissioned or were these drive bys now? <laughs> these were all these were all commissioned by uh, British Gas at the time for, for various various reasons, things like um. Bush wouldn't sign the Kyoto Protocol, so they sent us to go and take pictures of the White House to say, "Look, let's find out if he's if he's efficient." And embarrassing. So we we did all this work, and it was all going out on TV and newspapers on the same day. And we thought, let's target people in our hometown in Bonnie Dundee, who are double income people living in nineteen seventies houses that are cavity construction, right? But pre insulation, you know, because it wasn't really legislated in the seventies. So we set out leaflets saying, as seen on TV, as heard on Radio 4, as seen on BBC 2 or whatever, you know, we will come to your house and for £25 only, we will do a proper thermal image of your house and we'll give you energy advice. And we, we manned the phones getting ready for the, the, the tsunami of inquiries. We got one inquiry from 3,500 leaflets. One person picked up the phone. And it was an old lady who lived on her own, and she said, I- I'm, I'm really cold. Someone's trying to sell me insulation, and I don't believe them. Could you come and help? Yeah. 
And he thought, wow. And then I relayed that story to a few people and they said, yeah, I could have told you that would happen because double income people don't care about energy efficiency. You're targeting entirely the wrong people. You need to focus on fuel poor. And fuel poor means they're probably social housing type tenants. So go for that market. And yeah. it's only it's only now that energy is so expensive that that private sector is now wide awake to energy efficiency. So in in some ways, and I know this sounds mercenary, some ways energy prices going up is a good thing because it will drive the efficiency sector. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like it, it's you need the people who uh, shape opinion to feel some of the pain, to feel the cold rather than the heat in this instance. And until you do that, like until you get that sort of critical mass of chattering classes, columnists, uh, people like that, politicians, even man, nothing's nothing's going to change. I feel similarly about the retro, or rather, I feel like that about the retrofit sector as a whole, because as well, it's like conversely, it's worth targeting the people with money because once they feel the comfort benefit that Jeff talks about an awful lot through things like Passive House. Once they can articulate that, then all of a sudden, more people want it. Like- this is why when we had Ed Begley Jr. on, the, the American um, uh, actor and, and environmental activist, we were kind of so interest, interested in exploring with him why, because he hangs around with like, you know, Hollywood A-listers, um, Brian Cranston's and people like that. Um, you know, Brian, he's, he's actually an exception. He tried, he, he Built a, a near passive house. Tried to build a passive house uh, in in, uh, in in America, but believe it or not, they didn't quite get there on the airtightness. Um, um, but um, other than him, uh, you know, why do these people, these you know, uh, the who have no end of money, um, uh, why don't they want a building like this? You know, um, understanding that, it's, I think it's a failure on the part of this, of, of of our industry to. To sell the benefits to these people, you know, of 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 buildings that are comfortable all the time, you know, rather than a building that is maybe worth a huge amount of money, but you know, it's hard to achieve even temperatures and good air quality and so on, you know, uh, 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 because of the quality of the, of, of of the building, you know. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's 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 a strange area. I would say though, Stuart, as well. Um, I mean, the energy prices thing is a very interesting point, um, and and I agree with you on that. Um, but uh, I also feel that that there's other changes going on in the background now um, that uh, are going to start, you know, within the finance world that are going to start uh, making inefficient buildings uh, less valuable. The whole idea is, you know, it's, we're seeing it in, in 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 commercial property, for instance. Property owners becoming worried that they may, you know, investors becoming worried that they may end up with stranded assets, buildings that they can't lease out, for instance, you know. And I, I think that's that's a change that. Uh, that, that we're looking forward to, to to seeing happening too, you know. Anyone with a portfolio should be really concerned about what's coming down the down the line at them, and be taking measures now before it's too late. You know, before that portfolio hits. But interestingly, Jeff, that that's I had conversations this week with um with a company that have got four billion pounds to invest in the sector, right? And they've they're linking with all these banks and building societies who. And forgive me if I get the, the terminology slightly wrong here. If, if you've got a mortgage book of, say, a billion pounds of mortgages, there's a risk to that mortgage provider that those houses drop in value and those people end up in negative, negative equity. So they, they have to have, they have to say that that house is worth, I don't know, 200,000 pounds. If that drops in value to 150,000, 
they need to have that shortfall locked away in Fort Knox sort of thing as yeah. a yeah. shortfall. The bigger that shortfall, the bigger the reserve they need to set aside. So they, they the guys with the money are increasingly keen and now incentivized to help you improve your asset, not out of saving the planet, not out of helping you out of fuel poverty, out of lending you more money. You take more risk to mitigate risk for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, okay. and, and, a, and on a similar vein, there's a famous, um, at least in, in the circles I, I, I uh, hang around in, um, study by the Institute for Market Transformation uh, in the States, um, where they took like 100,000 properties or so, about two thirds of which I think were bog standard, and a third of which was um, was uh, built to lead lead the US Green Building Councils, uh, lead, so the Energy Star rather, um, uh, energy rating system. Um, and um, they controlled for various kind of demographic factors and lo- location and income and so on. And what they found was that the energy star rated homes were a 32% reduction. This is 2013 or so, 32% reduction in mortgage def- mortgage default risk compared to the otherwise identical homes. And the higher up the energy star scale the properties went, the lower the default risk was. Uh, now, what they, the one thing they couldn't control for was the fact that the people who were in the Energy Star homes may have been very uh, virtuous greenies who were kind of, you know, more responsible mm-hmm. uh, with their money generally. That's the, the one factor that they couldn't isolate, I suppose, you know. Fascinating piece of research. Just to understand how this works, then, if you're using uh, your surveys combined with other data from the EPCs and so on to just effectively Get, get to a specification of of, uh, of, of measures uh, for buildings. How accurate can the information that you, you know, uh, c- can you get from a survey be uh, and from that other information uh, that goes into it? How, uh, and what, what evidence do you, you have to show that, the, that, uh, that you're getting, you know, accurate characterization of the actual condition of the building? Yeah, well, that, that's a bit of an elephant in the room sort of question, Jeff. <laughs> The answer to any software type question is garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, yeah. So most of our clients are, are social housing providers, local authorities, housing associations. And you usually have a conversation with them along the lines of, look, could you tell me everything you know about your houses? Mm. And they say things like, well, Jeff's got that on an Excel spreadsheet. Steve's got that on Keystone. Dave's got something on Microsoft Access from 10 years ago. And we've got this other thing called PIMS that no one's ever used for five years. So we, we basically sit down with them and say, look, give us, a, give us an export from all of them and we'll augment them, add in the EPC register and we'll present back to you a data set that's, that's cleansed and then we can make some decisions. But it's basically a, a funnel process where we do all the cleansing, the mapping, the modeling in software. Then we go to a site and do thermal imaging on the ones that look likely to, to have some kind of um, yield from an intervention, like some kind of, can we save that person 50 pounds a month or a hundred pounds a month, whatever that criteria is, or can we get it to a C? But the the thermal image is brilliant at validating that data set, but engaging the tenant in the process. Then we use the thermal imaging, quantify them, put them back into the top of the funnel and see what comes out the bottom, see how that the image affects it. So you, you very often, and we genuinely find this about 50% of the time, if someone's records say, look, we cavity filled all those houses in the 80s and we double glazed them all in the 90s, we go to site and take a thermal image of it and we find houses where there's no insulation between the ground floor and the upper floor and there's no insulation in the top 
two or three metres of the house. Mm. And it's because when they took out the single glazing, all the insulation fell out because it was loose and peed. <laughs> then they put double glazing in. But they ticked a box saying, cavity filled, double glazed, don't know why we have a disrepair claim, don't know why we've got mould, don't know why the house is drafty. We take a thermal image of it and we go, well, we can see all the missing insulation. We can see clearly the position of the radiator below yeah. the window because that's where the insulation's missing. But the, the point of the thermal image is that it makes a house sometimes go from a C, meaning there's no funding, to a, a D, meaning yeah. there's funding. So I'm, I'm a big advocate of the truth. I don't think the truth can can hurt you. You know, just, just put your hand up, pull your head out the sand, admit where we really are. Oh. This net zero thing's a journey. I think you've got to admit the origins, agree a destination, and then let data drive the decision-making. So it's not the guy trying to sell you an air source heat pump. It's not the utility company. It's not the insulation guy. It's just mathematics saying, if you do that, you'll get yeah. points. If you do that, you'll get 10 points. If you do that, just let data drive it. And then you get this solution agnostic process that your boss can't argue against. It's very, it's, well, it depends on who your boss is, unfortunately, because I'm <laughs> thinking of them. Uh, when I remember um, I was at, at Best Fest uh, yeah. a couple of months ago, um, and Chris Stark, uh, the, the CEO of the Climate Change Committee, um, was um, you know, the, the body that advises the governments of the UK on, on climate policy and so on, um, gave uh, a, a keynote at the start. Um, and in outlining the challenge, I was pleased to hear him talk about the fact that uh, retrofit and energy efficiency buildings are essential. And um, he talked about EPCs specifically, the targets in terms of, you know, uh, getting getting to net zero. Um, and he, uh, he he mentioned the target of bringing everybody up to at least a C rating uh, by, was it 2050, I think it was, um, uh, but the entire UK housing stock. Um, and that at present, he said something like 30, 30 or 40%, I think, I think he said in the region of 30% is a C rating. Well, is it really? <laughs> Yeah, this is the question. You know, you make you 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 are going to end up. This is the problem when you have businesses like this that are that are very usefully and invaluably um, uncovering problems uh, in in a in in the assumptions we're making about our buildings. Um, do you not find that the the, uh, the the a lot of the times that, that there's a risk that your your uh, your findings are are so unpopular that people just don't want to listen? We've had that a few times, you know, just people just keeping their head in the sand and pretending everything's okay. But I, I just don't think you can get away with that these days. Not with if we're genuinely trying to save the planet and we're genuinely trying to end fuel poverty, then we we have to admit the truth. We've got to admit where we're starting from. The, that is a heavy caveat, though. If we're genuinely trying to do it, like as you can see from the the hydrogen lobby, etc. Like there is. There will be a place for it. You know, I'm not absolute naysayer, but not what they're doing. Like, oh, man, it's uh, it, it's a bit of a horror show. I think we, we might be doing something on Whitby Village in the near future. Like, they're, they're rolling out hydrogen domestic heating and not really giving people a proper say in the process, the residents of the village. And there's an awful lot of what would appear to be misinformation uh, about the the values of it so man there's a lot of folks that don't really care i mean that's something that you can see in all sorts of bits of the housing sector like i mean social housing where economic decisions have been taken to the detriment of the the quality of the fabric 
and it may cost them more money in the long term, but they might get away with it quarter to quarter. Do you yeah. do you rub up against that much? Yeah, we, we do. I mean, you still get people that believe in the flat earth. I mean, <laughs> there's all sorts of people in this world. Yeah. I genuinely, uh, all of our clients, 99% of our clients are on board with, look, let's find out where we are, help, roll up our sleeves and let's be serious about this. Great. We want to hit a target. But the hydrogen thing is an interesting one because I've heard all sorts about green hydrogen and grey hydrogen and, well, is it really clean and where is it coming from and how did you generate it? And uh, It's easy to poo-poo anything, isn't it, if you try hard enough? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit easy, though, with hydrogen. You don't appear <laughs> to have to try especially hard. Someone reposted what Dr. Peter Rickaby said about, well, it's only 60% efficient. <laughs> You've got to use electricity to make it or you're burning gas or coal anyway. So what? <laughs> just just use the gas or the coal if you're going to be doing that. So I was thinking more of the people who aren't your clients because like in our line of work, we deal with a load of people who they say they want better marketing, better websites, better communication systems. And when you present them with the, the first proposal or even just the price, oh, no, no, I'm not interested. I'm away. I'll give I'll give you an example, right? So we're involved in a project just now. Okay, I'll keep the client's name out of it for uh, various reasons, but we, we put twenty two thousand houses into our Dream software. We, we selected five hundred, uh, well, five clusters of five hundred houses that met in the investment criteria and the client's needs and the consortium's needs. We chose one cluster of five hundred to thermally image. We thermal image them. We used the thermal images to whittle it down to the 250 where we could have the most impact. Then we knocked on 250 doors and engaged the tenants, right? And these, these were social housing uh, people. And this is recent. This is not 10 years ago. This is 18 months ago. We knocked on the door and said, would you like for free an £80,000 home makeover? PV, batteries, wall insulation, underfloor insulation, New kitchen, new bathroom, new windows, new door, carpets, redecorated, the works. So you're doing well then for yourselves. Well, <laughs> this was a this was a, a Bayes funded project. Oh, right. okay. so Bayes were paying half of it. We brought the other half of the finance to it. Uh, five, five point something million pound project. But a hundred of those people said yes, please. A hundred and fifty said no, thanks. Mm-hmm. Right then. We had to get inside the houses to, to do air pressure tests and do in-depth therm- thermography on, on 10 archetypes. So to incentivize letting us in the house, I said, look, IRT will pay for 10 50-quid Amazon vouchers <laughs> as a thank you. Yeah. We advertised the voucher. We had 198 people say they wanted the voucher. Wow. People, people want that, that immediate, I know what I'd spend a 50-quid Amazon voucher on, that immediacy. Mm-hmm. And- tangibility of it is so different from you might save 90% on your, on your energy bill forevermore. Yeah. That's, that's a long time away. Yeah, and I, I would wager that they hadn't even considered the disruption and decanting that might be required of such a process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm trying to encourage, I try to encourage housing associations to do a, a decant to decarb program and let them swap all, all those void houses that are sitting around if you need to decant 10 people, why not phone up your neighbouring housing association, put those tenants in their houses, give them mm. a revenue stream, 
and and decarb decarb those houses and move them back in. Well, you'd think that there would be a lot of social housing tenants who'd be up for that because I was talking to uh, oh, I can't remember. I think it, it might have been uh, one of the guys at River Clyde who said that the primary search term for social housing now used in Google or the the, the search request was about whether bills were included, where previously it was whether pets were allowed. Huh. Things have changed, like, massively. And, I thought you were uh, going to say Wi-Fi. Is how, how good is the Wi-Fi? <laughs> well, we have talked to them about, uh, who was it, Lawburn providing a level of Wi-Fi as an amenity, like, built in just okay. as a social good, which is a really positive thing. That's interesting you mentioned Lorburn. The best thermal image of the most efficient house we have ever taken is in Lorburn's stock. Really? Did you say efficient or deficient? Efficient. It's okay. beautiful. <laughs> We've got two houses side by side that are uniformly green on the walls and uniformly blue on the roof. The heating's on in both houses and you can see a little bit of energy coming out with trickle vents on the house on the left. And that is it. <laughs> and in every presentation we do, because it's just the best. Oh, man, Flavor. see, that's the thing about this this uh, imaging technology, which it feels like is woefully underused in your industry, or probably not in your industry, but in all the associated industries. I used to work in local lifestyle publishing, like you know, houses and just uh, delis and health and beauty stuff. Mm-hmm. The most successful adverts in those magazines, apart from the property pornography at the back, were the health and beauty personal trainer ones, fat bloke, thin bloke, fat last, thin last. And that's what this does. Like the thermal imaging, the before and after. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't need to know anything else. You know all that red spot is it's money. That's so it. We were out in uh, Los Angeles um, doing stuff for the Clinton Foundation years ago. We, we did about eight buildings in L.A., we did the library, the LA airport, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But whilst we were there, we attended a lecture at Stanford University. And Stanford got all the students involved in a in a survey to find out what motivated Joe Bloggs mm-hmm. in, in energy efficiency. And you, you know these little hangers you put on hotel doors that do not disturb? They, they armed these students with three different messages. One said, you could save the planet, phone here. One said, you could save energy, phone here. Another one said, your neighbor's doing better than you. Want to know how? Phone here. The other two, no response whatsoever. That third one, your neighbor's doing better than you. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the equivalent of, why has he got a Mercedes on his drive and I've got a yeah. mini Metro? That sort of thing. A bit of, uh, the people that can afford it, it's that Tesla thing. There, there's that eco peacock. It's funny, I am um, years ago, the last time the Greens were in government, I wrote some um, some stuff, some some proposals for them for the renewed program for government because the government was was the coalition government was renewing its vows, and one of the things I wrote, which got in, like literally word for word, it was kind of one of one of those moments again where you realise that you think there's grown ups in charge and maybe there's not actually, <laughs> um, but um, was was a requirement that um, whenever properties were being uh, advertised for sale or to let the energy rating should be displayed and i included within that uh signage 
for for sale and to let you know signs that that are uh, uh, for this precise reason. Um, it ended up getting lobbied against um, after it came in um, on the basis that it would the cost of of having different fifteen different sign types uh, for uh, would, would be too high. Um, but which is a, a nonsense argument as far as I was concerned. You put a bloody sticker on them for God's sake. But um, the point was that I wanted to see a situation whereby you're going out to work in the morning. Um, uh, you know, and your neighbor next door has got an identical semi-D to you um, and they put theirs on the on the market and it's got an F or a G rating. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, or your your or your better half is giving you grief for how miserable your house is, you know, um, or they go and retrofit their house and they get an A or whatever, you know. Um, it, it's interesting that you're doing a lot of thinking about the psychology of this stuff, though, Stuart. Have you have you l- tried to apply that then in, in terms of, of how you how you run your business and how you... Um... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we've done things like um, for Fife Council, we, we photographed about 2,500 houses for free. Yeah, with the council, it was free. Yeah. They, we charged the council, but to the public, it was free. And it was every single house in two villages. So completely agnostic in terms of tenure. Um, so just completely inclusive. We built a website. We put all the thermal images on the website. We made an interactive EPC where people could, the council wrote to them and said, here's a code, type in this code, and you can interact with your house um, for, for nothing. You see a thermal image. That ended up, we got something like 42% public engagement within seven days of people being getting those codes. And then I ended up in a community center talking to about 50 people who sat and waited hours to talk to me. I was <laughs> horse, absolutely hoarse by the end of the night. But engaging with the public, you would say things like, my first question was, when was the last time you switched utility provider? Oh, I can't be bothered. That's, that's too hard. That's an awful palaver. And he said, when was the last time you insulated your attic? Oh, I'm not moving stuff out of my attic. He thought, well, how am I going to convince you to get EWI and a heat pump and solar panels if those two things are hard? Mm. They're beyond. But what what we've done now is we've we we set up a separate company called Hero. Hero's the the housing energy efficiency retrofit optimizer. It's an app. You can download it. It's 100% free to use. But what, what Hero does is it... It locates your EPC certificate or your neighbor's EPC up to two neighbors either side from the location of your mobile phone. So it pulls it in. It sanity checks it with you. You say It says, look, do you really have three bedrooms? Do you really have a loft? Is it really a semi-D? So you answer five or six questions that have the biggest impact on a SAP score. Mm. But it then gives you impartial advice and says, actually, see if you tell me your income, I can connect you to grants. Because if your household income is less than 30K, you qualify for, for LAD funding in England. Um, so it does a grant search for you. It also connects you to a green loan or a green mortgage if you need to borrow money. Because a lot of people will only do a retrofit when they're doing a kitchen or bathroom. You know, So they might be about to borrow 30,000 to do a new, a new bathroom or new kitchen, but they might borrow 50,000 to do a retrofit of the whole house. So we're getting like better loan rates from the from the, the the financial institutions, and I've got a lovely lovely mentor uh, from from Hinkley and Rugby Building Society. The CEO of Hinkley and Rugby is is my mentor. So he I, I lean on him every now and again when I need a little bit of help and advice. So Hero then connects you to to funding, gives you impartial advice, and then crucially it connects you to the local supply chain who can do the thing that we recommend you need. 
and they're all trust mark accredited. They're doing it in a PAS 2035 manner, all that kind of stuff. So we're we're in the middle of, of signing deals with people like um, like the NHS and big, 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 big companies that are doing salary sacrifice schemes to incentivize retrofits, right? So not only will you save on your energy bill, but you save on the tax right at the front, right at the start. If you can save yeah. 40% on your tax bill and improve your house and improve the value of it and live in a warmer, cozier house, why wouldn't you? Yeah. So I'm always, always looking for stuff like that, Jeff. One of the things that struck me when we, we, we've had a, a conversation prior to this, during that conversation and what you said about the VC firm telling you to get eight stakeholders, I think you said, immediately you've been doing serious user research from the get-go, not just working off your own hypothesis. You've been going out there, testing it with your actual consumers, working out what people need and presumably reorienting the service around it. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and that's as much psychology as most people, most business owners need. I think particularly in this space, working out what folk need, that's what folk are prepared to pay for is yeah. going to be well, key. Well, this is it, and, and it, it points to a, a bigger truth, which is that um, as we grow, seek to grow this whole sector, the businesses who've, who have found a way to be successful in you know, probably quite challenging conditions in the past uh, here, the accumulated knowledge uh, that they've worked out to become successful has to be the found, one of the kind of the, 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 the part of the foundation of, of, of how we proceed because you're going to get loads of new entrants to the market um, who are just going to try and learn this stuff from scratch again. You know, it's just it's, it's futile to, to, to have that kind of reinvention of the wheel, you know. So um, within the Hero app, so um, how do you spell Hero? Is it two E's or three? Two E's, Housing so, Energy Efficiency Retrofit Optimizer. Nice cheesy name, yeah. Yeah, well, so Google Hero with the extra E. Uh, so um, are you, as IRT surveys, one of the providers uh, listed within the Hero app? Uh, is- no, no. We, well, we we can provide thermal imaging to the app because it is a spin-out. But I, I sold IRT surveys about four months ago to a big PLC called Mears because um, just – you know, if you, if you have you ever seen the film Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise, it's a remake of a Spanish film. There's a line in that film where the one of the protagonists says, "If you ask enough questions and the right questions, the answer's always money." <laughs> <laughs> so that the whole retrofit journey starts with these guys that are investing in ESG portfolios mm. and driving companies to have a net zero strategy, or I'm not investing in you. That's a big, big change. That's a huge paradigm shift for investors to say you cannot get my billions unless you're sustainable and you've got yeah. a governance of policies in place that's key to it on, on that side of the fence on the other side of the fence guys like what mirrors have allowed us to do is go out and buy google style cars equipped with thermal imaging with lidar with air pollution with noise pollution so next year we're driving the streets gathering massive amounts of data at no cost to anyone other than mirrors, but building that out proactively to say, look, are you interested in making, I, I don't know, Cheltenham more yeah. and, and saving 50 million tonnes of carbon or whatever? We can draw polygons around areas and say, well, those are the houses that need it. Here's the audit trail. Here's the visualisation of it. And then once we've done it, we can physically, well, we can drive funding to it. We can be a main, a main contractor as mirrors. 
but we can then bookend all the works with a nice visual audit trail by sending the vehicle down the street again. This is really interesting. And it's interesting that you talked on, touched on um, air pollution there as well, because um, there, there is a, there's an EN standard, which a uh, voluntary EN standard, which sets in different indoor air quality level thresholds, depending on the vulnerability, vulnerability class of the, of the occupants and depending on the outdoor air quality levels. And it sets different filtration levels, basically, on the supply air. And I know in the past that uh, in London, the mayor's office has talked about, uh, you know, making air tightness and uh, filtered mechanical ventilation a, a prerequisite because, you know, it feels like that's to an extent missing the point. If you've got very polluted outdoor air, you need to clean up that air. <laughs> uh, it, at the same time, if you look at this winter, you know, I, I, I have a kid who's got, something who's got asthma and where I live, you see, Walking him to school, he's had flares, flare-ups over the last couple of days, and you know that people are burning stuff they shouldn't be burning in their in their 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 fires, you know, at home, um, uh, because of the energy crisis. You know, they're burning any old kind of crap. So um, having uh, ways to kind of try and protect air quality uh, is that something that you're looking at then as, as part of this as well? Thinking thinking about just having the specifications, you know. Yeah, yeah, in terms of like buying houses, buying and selling houses. If I was buying a new house, I'd want to know what. How, obviously, how much does it cost is important. What does it look like? And does the wife like it? And is it close to a school? But things like the air quality, noise pollution, quality light, all those things impact how nice a house it is to live in. And do you want to stay in it for five years or the rest of your life? Because we, we, actually, that's another little anecdote. We did a survey with British Gas years and years ago where they, they got almost a million responses to a a multi-channel media campaign where they had everything from online app responses to um, people filling out forums in newspapers and phoning in. It was a huge, almost a million respondents. When you sat down and looked at the demographics of the people who responded, no one under the age of 30 responded. And very, I think it was about 15% of the target audience were 30 to 50, and 85% of the audience were 50 plus. And sitting down with our marketing team, they said, look, the reason we think that is, is young people can't afford to go on the property ladder, so they're renting. People in their 30s and 40s are having kids and bringing them up, and energy's it's not on the agenda. It's not until you're in your 50s that you're in your forever home, and you're starting to look at, I'll be 60-something soon and retiring. Mm. What is my out- What are my outgoings? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the insecurity of tenure throughout the UK, I don't think it's as bad in Ireland, but I know you've moved out plenty of times, Jeff. Yes, yeah, uh, not good here. Yeah. That has such a massive bearing. Uh, and the shift towards a primarily landlord, not primarily, a massively landlord-focused property market where there's no incentive to invest because property prices rise anyway, especially in a zero-interest rate market. Although in those terms, in line with what you were saying about the lenders, wanting to make sure their assets are secure uh, in the the debts, the assets attached to the debts that they hold are secure. Did you clock that Blackstone, they're your neighbours, aren't they, Jeff? They're quite active in Ireland. Uh, The largest uh, landlord on the planet, they've gated their real estate funds recently. So you can't take your money out. (laughs) They've seen something going on. Like whether it's to do with uh, interest rates, energy crisis, or oh, the, uh, an, an impending global recession, but something shifting quite significant. No one's entirely sure what it is. 
Yeah, well, there's another bit of joy to add into the mix. Great. Um, we spoke a long time ago, and I remember you talking about having these kind of drone-based surveys uh, where you were able to to do kind of like drive-by surveys, thermal imaging surveys of, of large swathes of property, which sounds fascinating. I, I wonder how kind of granular you can, you, can, you can get in that approach. I'm just thinking about this winter, and I'm thinking, have you thought about going back, looking at buildings that you've surveyed in the past and revisiting them to see if you're get, if you're going to get different colours because of different behaviour in buildings in the same buildings um, because of because of the cost of living and energy crisis. <laughs> uh, no one, no one's willing to pay us. No, no one's ever been willing to pay us to take after images of any building. Jeff. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're quite interested in it as a before, but the afters are, are a bit. It's becoming a thing now. Uh, yeah. For I mean, again, we've been doing this for twenty one years. It's only now that people are asking us for after images. Well, that's very important too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I suppose you're you, you. What routinely happens is that you do a survey, then works it onto the building, and then uh, and then you're not called back, right? Um, I completely see the value in having the after survey as a kind of a building pathology tool, you know. Um, but I'm talking about scenarios where maybe you surveyed some buildings uh, that haven't maybe had works done to them and are surveyed again now with, with energy prices being where they are and with people's disposable income being so so squeezed um you know to see if you can spot horrifically bad kind of conditions in buildings you know yeah, we, we definitely could i mean that that's i was at a conference an echelon conference at the oval in london about six weeks ago and there was a lady from uh, devonshire's solicitors who did a presentation and she said from all the social housing tenants they'd polled 37% of them have no intention of switching on their heating at all this winter, 37%. Yeah. And she said another 50, I think it was 51% said they're only going to heat the one room that they're, they're in. Yeah, that, That's it. But she then she then went on to say that in disrepair claims, every pound spent on disrepair, only 10 pence of it is actually spent on fixing the disrepair. 90 pence of it goes in admin and legal fees. So everyone... Everyone not switching the heating on now is building up a massive mould problem, condensation, yeah. dampness, disrepair down the line. And, and disrepair, there are already no claim, you know, no win, no fee solicitors going around people's houses and saying, hey, do you know what? Have you got any mould? Yeah, okay. Let me handle it for you. And if and when your landlord gets in touch, don't let them in because they only get 21 days to respond. And then they're in breach of their landlord agreement. <laughs> they're, they're incentivizing tenants not to let the landlord in to validate the mold so that they have a better chance of winning a legal case. But they're being so unscrupulous about it, they're hiding all these sort of charges in that mean that if they if they do prove they've got a successful case, the tenant might get a couple of grand and the landlord will the landlord will have to pay it, but the guy running the case will get about twenty, twenty thousand. Jesus. Yeah, they, they, someone highlighted that to me, uh, a sensor firm. Uh, they provide sensors for social housing that anecdotally adverts for not where there's a blame, there's a claim. Well, in fact, no, it is. It's where there's a blame, there's a co uh, claim, but it's not falling off a ladder anymore. It's inhumane living conditions. <laughs> so, I mean, boom time for this trade, however bleak it might be. Yeah. I, I want to say, as well, I'm sorry, um, cut off. Um, the, the case um, recently of uh, Awab Ishak, the little boy in in London who who died uh, tragically, in, you know, and where where uh, the judge ruled that mold was the cause um, of the death. Uh, you know, 
that kind of precedent. I don't know what that actually is going to mean now, um, and and what kind of ructions that's going to call. It's it's a absolutely well, that, horrific, tragic case. Um, but you'd have to hope that that in, in his name that, that 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 you know it 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 leads to meaningful change to stop these kinds of deaths from happening. We did. I think it was um, Rochdale, actually, Jeff. But they, they, that led Michael Gove to Sorry, yes. every single landlord and say, "You need to make sure you don't have mould, or you will go to jail." So that that's made a lot right. of CEOs of housing associations and local authorities prick up their ears and think, "Oh, holy smoke! I personally could go to jail." Right? What's the condition of our mould? Which is it's just another catalyst or, or market driver to say we need to go and do that thermal imaging with a Google van now. Because yeah. I'm not trying to sound too melodramatic or whatever. We shouldn't need the death of a little boy to motivate a sector or a fire of a tower block to look into flammable cladding. But that's the world we're living in. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fire of a tower block did made very little change. But that's the the sad fact of that. I think the the one little boy is a number that's noticeable as compared to the. Uh, yeah. Well, but it's it's no really. It's made lots of people living in flats in Leith unable to sell their flats because you can't get a mortgage for them because they've got a type of cladding on them. Yeah. So yeah. now people the specs, mortgage. Yeah. The specs are changing. In fairness, there have been reactions, but, but you know, those ground in terms of changing specifications for 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 retrofit works. You know, as as a consequence of uh, of that, I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done to ensure that any changes that are made are, are you know, are as evidence-based as possible. Um, well, they've, they've but, not made significant changes to the ones that have already got this flammable cladding on in Leeds, Croydon, in the city of London, like all over the bloody country, all over yeah. the British Isles. And, you know, they sat on the hands as long as they could. Then they tried to foist it onto the leaseholder. In fact, they're still sort of trying. But no one's pushing for the, the actual freeholder to do anything about it. Like, that's still not happening. Shocking. One of the challenges we've got as a sector is, is everyone's thinking in little like four year. Politic politicians will ever think in four year windows, don't they? Yeah. What what will win me the votes? What will lose me votes? Right, say that and then don't say that sort of thing. We need to get away from that scenario and and because it, it creates a culture of, of boom and bust. Because you've always got let's create this new grant thing, and a grant window opens for six weeks, and yeah. you get six weeks to. Understand it, get to grips with it, fill in a thousand page thing, fill build a supply chain, train people, and then you don't win it. Mm. And yeah. then some somebody else comes up with some new thing and then and Scotland's different from England, England's different from Ireland, Wales are doing their own thing, eco's different. Everything changes all the time. And it, honestly, it's so hard now. You need a piece of software to say, I will I'll do them, I'll do the heavy lifting for you. Yeah. I mean, this is where like the, the the planned economy of China makes one look across with envy because like they've recognized big problems. Now, I'm not saying everything's good about China by that <coughs> reckoning. There's plenty uh <laughs> there are pre- plenty problems there. But the way they've addressed uh renewables, for instance, or public transport infrastructure, like all those things. I mean, they've still got woeful air quality, and I think they're still opening more coal mines than anyone, coal power plants than anyone else. Like all that's still happening, but oh man, they're ready for the future, even if it is a broken future. <laughs> so are you learning Mandarin in the background? Are you just <laughs> Chinese yeah. overlords hedging one's bets? Oh, one might need to think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, I mean, it's really positive that uh, a company like Mears. I mean, Mears are massive. 
that they saw you, they saw the value in you, they wanted you to become part of them, and they're continuing to give you investment to build out the offer in into other areas. Like, you know, you're you're taking a much more holistic approach in your little Google Maps mini cars. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really interesting. That's really promising. So I'm thinking in in terms of other businesses in the sector, this is uh, or people that are starting up, like a that suggests there are lots of really promising signs for everyone within thermal imaging or within net zero. Oh, within the whole net zero retrofit, all the because like you're the you're the guys who identify the problems and potentially mark the homework. You're doing well, and that suggests that there's a lot more in the. Yeah, uh, in the market available. I, I would say the market marking the homework thing is is really interesting. I, you know, I don't know if it's, it doesn't sound like it's, it's an element of your business that, that there's a demand for yet, but um, surely there's got to be uh, a business for uh, you know you know for post works yeah. verifying I mean, what's been done and whether it's been a, a massive waste of time or not. You know. Yeah, we, we, we've. I was a little bit flippant when I answered one of your questions earlier on, but one of the we did catch people who were selling loft insulation, and in a block of four flats, they were going in lofts, rolling up insulation, taking a picture of it, rolling it back down, taking a picture of it, and claiming four thousand pounds worth of grants for doing it. And we caught them because we did before and after thermal images. They, it looks exactly the same. How, you know, it's it's no it's no bloody different. So yeah, you, you can use it for that kind of thing, but the, the the whole net zero thing, if I was setting up a company today, right now from cold, I'd probably set up a retrofitting um, company in some description, you know, a fabric first, holistic, let, let me do everything and, and probably keep it niche and keep local to your area. But companies like Mears, they do have a big footprint. They've got all the all the Naput tick boxes were, were Swiga and all, all these sort of things, all these guarantees and assurances you would like in place. Mayors have all that. And we, we tend to win work where we, we'll get like a 20-year a contract to deliver £700 million worth of services for leaky taps, kitchens, bathrooms. Um, we, we house asylum seekers. Um, people coming out of prison get a, get put into a Mayors home for six months to reduce uh, recidivism rates and, you know, reoffending and what have you. We, we do lots of stuff like that that's all about social value and looking after people. But there is a big, big driver toward retrofit within Mears now. And that, that's why they bought us. They, they've got lots of clients. I keep saying they. It's we, right? I, I need to get we in my head. So we have lots of clients. We've got something like 55 local authorities and 700,000 houses that need something done to them. How much scope do you have then, Stuart, to influence the general direction of what mirrors are doing retrofit-wise? Uh, it's 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 been awesome. The last four months of my life have been just meeting people day in day out, Jeff, and and just finding out more and more about what mirrors actually do. So, they, there's something like fifty thousand houses that are on their asset register as owned by clients, but they're they're void. At any given time, they've always got about fifty thousand houses that are void. And we're trying to steer money toward that to say, well, why don't we retrofit them? Because they're going at some point they'll have a tenant, and that's where that that decant to decarb idea comes in. Why don't we do that? 
But as, as a big PLC, they've also got money that they could physically invest. You know, we could put it in a special purpose vehicle and let people draw it down to fund the works. But they're not, mirrors aren't, uh, we can't retrofit every single house. I mean, we're supposed to retrofit something like 23,000 houses a week to hit net zero by 2050. 23,000 a week. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, enough mar- that's enough of a market to feed every single contractor in the country all the way to 2050. So mayors recognize we, we can't be the only player who can do that, but we can set up a supply chain to deliver it. We can monitor it and we can set up all the steps to make sure it's done properly. Um, and that, that's the journey we're on right now. So next year, you'll be hearing an awful lot from mayors about an end-to-end soup-to-nuts service where we do everything from, from the data through to handover and putting a, a shiny tenant in there. Very interesting. All yeah, right. Amazing. Well, I think, like looking at the time, we've been we're we're running a, a little bit long, so we'll probably be best wrapping up about now. Uh, the last thing I just wanted to touch on, Hero again. Who's Hero for? Is that for everyone across the UK? That that's for owner occupiers. Yeah. So we're 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 not really geared up to be a a B to C business, so we we really don't want to engage with the general public ourselves. But it is a separate company that's partnered with. Other big household names. So ideally, we'd like we'd like it to become the Tesco Energy app, the ASDA app, the Nationwide app, mm. the Bank of Scotland, the Bank of England, that yeah. sort of thing. Just just people that people would go. My mortgage is with them, or I buy my groceries with them. I trust them, or or it's Lewisham Borough Council's Energy app, that sort of thing. So that we could actually say, look, there's something people can have for free. Yeah, I'm not sure people would trust Lewisham. To be fair. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, I don't buy a pick Lewis. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they're in the same sort of storied history as Croydon, uh, which uh, I just think E17 is that is that not their stamping ground? E17? No, no, they're Walthamstow. No. That's second second time I've been wrong on the geography of the UK. You know, it's yeah, in, in <laughs> shocking. Of course, they're singing E17's Christmas song there, Jeff. Oh, I just I just love seeing their vacant faces in that video. Yeah, it's it's very funny. <laughs> white jackets <laughs> oh bless yeah. I'll never forget like he nearly ran himself over well he actually did run himself <laughs> over he did, because yeah. he'd overdosed on baked potatoes <laughs> now that's a story worth looking up yeah um, alright so uh, well Stuart it's been lovely to see you again is there anything you'd like to plug before we we uh, wrap up now <laughs> no I, I don't have a book coming out or anything no. like that well, no, I mean, the Hero app uh, for all those owner-occupiers, yeah, take a look. rtsurveys.com as well. You have the .com. Check them out. You're on LinkedIn. All the all the usual places you can be found if people want to reach out to you, I'm sure. They'll probably um, find the mouse first. That's, that's my biggest problem. I can imagine. <laughs> right. Um, in that case, well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure we'll have you back on again as things evolve. Brilliant. All right. Thank so all the usual things as well. Uh, join ACAN, join the ACB, subscribe Passive S Plus, advertise in Passive S Plus if you can, and subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with people. If you like it, other people you know probably will be interested in it as well. Or just foist it upon them, like make them listen to it. We'll be content with that. Um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. See ya. Thanks, bye. Thank you.